Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Hello. Today is a recording of a past interior design panel that we do within the Design Coven, which is our mentorship program for new and aspiring interior designers. We have some really fun and inspiring designers coming on today, sharing their practices, their experience, failures, and of course, successes so that we can all learn from them. And we also have our interior design members with us. So they get to ask all of their questions here with designers. This will give you a peek into what we do on the design Coven mentorship group. We do meet at least once a week. At the beginning of the month, we connect to do um, a little bit of group coaching, check in, see where everybody's at. And then we do a interior design panel, which is what you're hearing here. Or we'll do a workshop with another leader in the design business or, or just business in general. We'll have a workshop at the beginning of the month. And then we also learn from uh, people in the field, product trainings happen, and then we also visit showrooms here in San Diego in person, along with studio tours. Uh, we just had a tour of Basil Studio uh, last month, which was really, really fun. And there's three tiers. So you can join at the beginning tier, which is the air tier, which is all virtual. So you don't have to be in San Diego. You get in on the virtual events. We do have an in-person uh, tier, which is here in San Diego. And then the last tier is the one-on-one -on -one mentorship uh, tier where you get to have an hour of mentorship with me personally to take a look at your design business and help, help you kind of get through those obstacles and, you know, really talk about business with your design. A lot of the members have used that time to discover what exact services they're going to offer, how they're going to price things. Um, they have me take a look at the website. So there's a multitude of things that you could do with that mentorship hour. And then you also have access to me if you want to purchase additional hours as you set up your business or as you start. So just really, really fun stuff um, and empowering stuff. That's probably one of my favorite things to do is, is to connect with new designers. So enjoy this panel with our designers and I'd love to hear from you and let me know your thoughts on today's episode. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here, with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. 
Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. All righty, welcome to our September interior design panel. We are here with Esteban with Esteban Interiors. We've got Kelly with Studio H and Michelle with Surface Studio. And um, yeah, and they're all together, which is so cool. Usually we have you guys like totally separated, but you guys are friends. And thank you, Esteban, for connecting everybody together. It's just amazing because I feel like in the design world, especially when I started, like everybody was so separate and so secretive and nobody shared anything. And I feel like you guys have a great relationship with being able to connect together to share all these struggles. And that's what I'm wanting to create with this mentorship group as they grow into their businesses and just being able to support each other. And also, you know, I'm just about sharing my resources, connecting people with the showrooms that I love just to kind of build this community so that we can all rise together and support each other. And I'm all about, you know, collaboration over competition. So I, I just really, really am so grateful um, for you to, to come together and to share your wisdom with us. Cause you guys are like, you guys are like at the top, right? And we all look up up to you guys. So thank you for coming on. Maybe we'll start with you, Esteban. Uh, let us know a little bit about who you are, maybe like where your studio is and, and your ideal client and projects. So um, we're a boutique high-end uh, interior design firm. Uh, I started out uh, having a design studio in um, Little Italy for several years and then migrated to La Jolla and was in La Jolla for 11 years. And then um, pre-pandemic, just a fluke, uh, I decided to buy a big house and move everyone into my house, which kind of scared me a little bit, but I was just like, oh, whatever. I'll just, you know, learn as I go. And um, everything's been great. We've been there four years now. We're going in five years. Uh, we're just starting a new thing studio renovation that is going to be a little cool and that's kind of where we are amazing thank you and kelly my name is kelly Gensman, and i'm the founder of studio h design group and we just launched a new company studio h collection that i'm really excited about and i have um we just moved to little our little italy location um this is our showroom space and studio so you might see some deliveries and phones ringing <laughs> oh, sorry about that um yeah but we moved here um just a few months ago we were in the gas net before but um i've been in the business i've owned this company for about 10 years and, and just been in the industry for 15 years um our projects are high-end residential and multifamily. we the three of us share a lot of the same um type of clients so you can see that there's no competition. We help each other, and um, and I believe wholeheartedly that um, what you're saying, Rachel, that a rising tide um, looks all up. So I like that philosophy with our community. Um, yeah. So our projects are um, in San Diego and then all across the country. We're um, lucky to have clients in other areas from East Coast to West Coast. Thank you. Michelle. My name is Michelle Solsmolt, and I am the founder and owner of Studio Surface. We are located in Del Mar, 
I've had my company for about 13 years now. I've been in the industry for about 20. Um, like these two, um, we specialize in high-end residential projects, some multifamily and commercial um, projects, primarily in San Diego, though, um, throughout the West Coast. And Michelle met me when I was in Little Old I've been in California for 15 years. I'm originally from the Midwest and then spent a brief stint in Dallas. And Estelle, I guess, one of the first people I met in the design industry when I came out here. And Kelly used to live in Little Well, we're Michelle, um, or Melissa from David Sutherland. Oh, up. that's right. We were set up. They're like, you cuss like a sailor, you cuss like a sailor. <laughs> You'll be great friends. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and we will talk <laughs> together as well. Paul and I went to Paris together for a design show, Mesa Hill J. We all went to Vegas. Yeah. 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 That, was a, that was a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And we always run into each other at like art events and magazine parties and all those, those things. Yeah. So that's super rad. Um, so I would love to know what what has been your maybe your biggest struggle navigating your own business? Like, has there been something that really jumped out at you when you first sort of launched out on your own? For me, it was all of the legality of design and things on home and insurance, and it was just like really scary. Like, I don't want to get sued. That kind of thing. And so to start off in a negative. <laughs> no, I want we want to know this stuff. It's really scary. Um, and then just going about oh, how to start um, a corporation, like what mm. that looks like and what that scales like. Um, yeah, that was really scary. Yeah. So Esteban, did you hire someone to set all that up for you or were you navigating that world on your own? I did it on, it was pretty scary. But yeah. then, you know, as you grow, you make a little bit more money and then you start yeah. Figuring things out, like hiring people, and like a dual for you. So, yeah, for sure. Kelly, what about you? Was there anything that I think that is I knew what it all takes <laughs> when I started. <laughs> I would have been. I mean, got it. But um, I mean, I I'm so fortunate. I love everything about yeah my job. But it's um, I think just starting uh, slow. And I first had um, so. 12 years ago, I had a business partner who's 30 years older than I was. Um, and so we started a business. I joined her, she was retiring. I was um, starting my, like, catapulting into my career. And so I learned how to set up a business and do the infrastructure and set up a corporation and then do the QuickBooks. So I think it's really good to know how to do everything. And then our term ended two years and she retired. And then I started Studio H Design Group. And then from that, I already knew how to do, it was like I had trading wheels the first time. So now I knew how to, to set everything up again. Um, but I was, you know, doing QuickBooks and um, did, did legal Zoom to, to yeah. file my, my yeah. accounting and um, had just a bookkeeper that I found online. Um, and then with, we just set up um, Studio H Collection, which is, now knowing what it takes to put in another company, it was just a whole um, great like feat to to do that. Um, just with you know getting more of the legalities and the lawyers and all the 
more, yeah, details of the accounting and everything. But, um, but I think that sure, there's a lot of challenges along the way, but I think that if you just have your kind of keeping your blinders on and just do one thing at a time, um, I think it, the better is not knowing everything it takes. (laughs) Yeah. I think sometimes if we know or if we see everything, that could be like super daunting and really overwhelming. And then it's like, okay, we're going to go back into our shell. And but if you don't see it, you kind of just go into that darkness and jump for it. It's a lot of research, right? In the beginning. And it is overwhelming. You know, I think one of the things I realized starting my own company, you know, it's very easy to criticize the previous firms and the principals, not that they weren't fantastic, but you know, it's very easy to say, well, I will do this, I'll do that. Until you're in a situation, it's like, I get it, yeah. right? Because about, I would say 90% of what we do is not even the creative effort sometimes of design. It is the business side. And, you know, I learned along the way, like Esteban mentioned, when you hire the experts in those fields, then you can get back more to why we started the business in the first place, which is the design. But the first few years, I would say, a lot of time is monopolized by getting the business set up, being more confident and comfortable with contracts and billing and knowing how much to bill your clients or how to bill your clients. Those are the things that were most daunting for me at the beginning. But I think, you know, with experience, you get more confident, um, leaning on folks that are again experts in their industries, whether it's bookkeeping, county, uh, law, um, again, it allows you to purpose back on why you started in the first place. And sometimes that gets lost along the way. So, yeah. So speaking of that, Michelle, what made you go off on your own? Like, was there something that happened that, that made you jump or did you always have the intention of, of having your own business? No, I mean, you know, when I was a student in design school, you always, you know, you come up logo for your boards, fantasize about having your own company. But as I got into the industry, that wasn't really a pressing goal of mine. I worked for a really fantastic design firm out of Dallas. And um, after a couple of years of working with them, they promoted me to senior designer and moved me to the West Coast. That's how I got out to San Diego, was to open and operate an office for them out here. And I did that for a couple of years. And of course the recession hit, I guess it was about 2008, 2009. And they started closing down their satellite offices. And I started working from home for this company. And then eventually just that kind of phased out. And had that not happened, at the time, had that not happened, I probably would have been, would have been okay and happy with moving up in that company. Um, I never seriously considered um, starting my own company at least at that point then I kind of was forced to do so. You know, folks weren't really hiring back then. The ones that were, I wasn't interested in the type of work. So I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna do my own thing. And, and I'm glad I did. You know, the first couple of years were really rough. But um, after that, I was like, I don't know why I didn't think of doing this before. And now having worked for myself, I don't know that I could work for so long so again. Yeah. I think I probably, you know, with like 30 companies and no one would hire me. Yeah, it's like sad. <laughs> no one would hire me and basically they would tell me that I have too much experience, I'm overqualified. So then, um, and then one recruiter said, 
I think that you're probably not approachable because they view you as not trainable because you're because of the breadth of work that you already done getting here and plus you're from New York, so there's that. They can't thing. pay you what you're yeah. yeah. So then I just decided I'm just gonna start my own company. And um and Esteban, when you decided to start your own company, was James with um like a, he was with another company, right? And and how did all of that come together with your partner? I gave him money. <laughs> <laughs> and so but he's and he's what can you tell like what his role is um with you since you guys are so well, so he's he's also a principal in the firm, but he's more on the financial side. So he handles all of the financial and legal aspects of everything. So like anything from like creating contracts, assigning NDAs, and all that stuff. Yeah, awesome. A lot of that, and then I just signed it. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Kelly, what about you? I know you spoke a little bit about, uh, oh, well, yeah, you kind of, you told us you're, um, you know, a pre- pretty much working for somebody else and, and running their business and and uh, decided to go yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, before that, I, um, I worked for a, firm doing more multi-family projects um and then the recession hit and then i went to a big architecture firm doing um educational projects because there was only government work at the time so i designed schools dorms i did ucsd student housing i designed um the career technology center at city um college so that one was really cool experience because there was a nursing school there was a armory for the police there was a shop in it and so I learned like the healthcare codes that you need to know for the nursing school and then I used that I applied that to get a job for um, a plastic surgery office when I was first starting out so um, that was just really great experience to be um, brought into Um, and then from there that's when I joined with my business partner I have a quick question yeah the senior thing that you say because you came from a multi-family background so did I when I got out of school, I went right to work for a commercial firm. Mm-hmm. And this sounds so awful, but at the time, as a design student, I was like, oh, too residential. Oh, oh that's that, what I said too. Well, I'm ready as a way to I'm not going to be. I'm not going to do commercial. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> because after getting out of, well, like, yeah, yeah. which I still do a bit of, it's commercial work, hospitality. I would say a better chunk of my business, I'd say 80 to 85% of my business is high-end residential, mm-hmm. which I'm so yeah. up and down, I would never do. Yeah. When I was in school, I never thought that I wanted to do residential interior design. Yeah, I thought the same thing, like where you pick paint colors and <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's what I think that's nice about multifamily is that you're creating these luxury like communities. And so that has this hospitality aspect that right. you have like a leasing office, like a, a lobby, you have club room that has a kitchen they like a lot of wow factors too so that when you're all their clumps can like more touring that they'll remember the space so you can just be like really creative and they typically have good budget so it just is a fun like commercial projects as clients tend to understand contracts that better yeah and Mm -hmm. they're they're not text the most yeah at 8 p.m on a sunday yeah 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 yeah, so I think they're a little bit constant to contract. Yeah. Work. So, speaking of the communication and how do you create boundaries or how do you tell the clients like when you're available? Like, what does that look like? Is it when you're onboarding them? Like, how do you do that? It's all about an air contract that you know, about to be contacting all of 
business hours, like core core business hours. Um, occasionally, we'll share our cell phone, but usually what we don't, we usually never divulge our cell phone unless it's like an emergency or, I mean, an emergency. No yeah. Like that. Sure. They're just, <laughs> we'll see how many times our phones vibrate. Right? <laughs> and we'll be clients. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's hard because in the residential world, you get really close with your clients and you're designing their most intimate spaces. You're right. in their bedrooms and like knowing about like how they like to get dressed and the linear speed in their closet, but they like, you know, like every brief detail about them. And so oftentimes I become great friends i'm sure you guys too yeah. do too so then when they're contacting you it might be on a personal level or, or they're just reaching out you're like oh i don't mind answering but then you start doing this back and forth thing and it's on a weekend or it's um you know in the after hours but i think it's case by case to, depending on the client we're all not start the precedent of responding to them and then respond to them the next business day or if they text me sometimes i'll Put the answer <clears throat> on the email the yeah, following day to. So obviously, there's documentation with text, but it does help maintain a semblance of distance and professionalism to have it. Yeah. You know, uh, dictated back to them in the email, but I'm probably one of the worst attenders of <laughs> setting boundaries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've become friends with some of my clients, some. And, um, yeah, like Kelly mentioned, you know, so much, so many intimate details of their lives and you're literally up in their business. Mm -hmm. So it can sometimes feel strange to not view them as such. Yeah. Yeah. So for the most part, the clients that I think we attract, I'm sure maybe I'm speaking for all of us, being that it is high and residential, I would like to believe that most of them do respect what we do because they're willing to pay quite a bit for what we do. Um, on one hand, it's like a double-edged sword, but we are getting paid so much, so therefore we, they own us. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Right. And on the other, uh, the flip side of that, too, I'm sure is a, a bit of respect and yeah. you know, appreciation. Yeah. And, and they try to let us do our job, not completely on our schedule. Yeah. <laughs> The hardest part, though, between texting and emailing is becoming fragmented with communication. Right, right. So that, that's something that oh, becomes yeah. kind Wait, of... That's, oh, gosh. God. And you're just ha you're like looking on your phone and you're trying to use keywords to like find out where the text is because you yeah. can't remember the name or phone number because they're like someone new that you're working with. And it's just like, oh. We're just so much more accessible now yeah. than we were for. I mean, we don't have a typical nine to five office job, yeah. right? We're either on the job site. <clears throat> it's rare that I'm sitting at my desk on my laptop. You know, I'm on a construction site. I'm not resourcing. I'm in a meeting with a client. I might be in a meeting with a sales rep, but every day looks so different. So with texting and email, we have our phones on us. We are much more accessible than, say, 10 years ago. So the way we communicate has changed. Dramatically, but yeah, that's probably my biggest pet peeve is being inundated with text contractors. Yeah. Especially there's a drawing set like stapled to the forehead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh. Speaking of that. Yeah. I had that floor that was supposed to be installed at a client's home. 
We had drawings all over the walls. It all installed with one touch. It doesn't matter. Because that wasn't there. Yeah, you have to be, right? That they want clarification of we're just double checking. But sometimes it's just a little, they don't want to look for the answer. Even though it's on the So do you guys, since you're talking about not having them giving, getting access to your cell phone, do you have a, a separate phone just the, for the business for them to? I Yeah, we use Microsoft Teams. And so um, Teams rings to our cell phones. But, and then we can call out from our cell phones from Teams. So I can call clients on the road, but it will be coming from my work line. And then get messages anywhere too. And, we set, and, you can set, and it, we set the hours too. So we won't get calls. Um, you know, it's only during business hours that you receive calls. And then um, if you're on vacation, you could turn it off out of or you can forward it. That's amazing. So it's Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I love that. We have go-to connects, but you can kind of do the same thing. Oh, but we're trying to migrate to a platform where we can communicate as a team mm. and then communicate with our clients so that it's all kind of like separate, not on, not in its phone. So like, you know, if you do have a releasing staff there, it's not like on their phone, it's actually somewhere where you can all find it. Right. I know another designer that I was talking to mentioned um, Basecamp. Do you guys are you guys familiar with that or that program at all? We use sometimes um, contractors use Basecamp for like project management and um, like submittal reviewing everything. But um, <coughs> we use we use the Microsoft Teams platform um, for all of our like file sharing and communication, and then like the chat link chatting through our team and um notes we just use that whole platform sometimes the project management softwares get like really clunky and then it's another alert and then another thing that you put on your calendar and it just that like yeah i've heard of that some people using slack yeah well slack we're on slack until we move to teams because you can still chat on team monday Oh, Monday. Uh, yeah. Then a couple of our friends. What's the other one? Monday. Monday? Monday? It's like a project management app, but again, it's yet another location you have to go to. Yeah. I, another I want everything all on the location. Yeah. What do you use for like your invoicing and purchase orders and studio designer? Okay. Um, we use studio designer for proposals and then we use two software. So it's really annoying right now. Um, and we use QuickBooks. We use QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. For accounting. For accounting, yeah. So once a once a proposal goes out, then um, it becomes an order, but then it gets pushed through through QuickBooks mm-hmm. instead. And they don't talk to each other yet. Yeah, it's always interesting to know what everyone is sort of doing and what programs they like. And if there is... It's probably the most archaic. I use Microsoft Word and Excel. Yeah, but you have James to help you, like, do all that. <laughs> um, I'm curious, how many people do you guys have on your teams just to kind of get a, a scope of like your leadership and, and what it takes to run your businesses? So there's four of us there. There used to be six of us at one point, which was uh, which was great because a lot of stuff happened. But we're still managing on uh, adding more staff. What are their roles? That's fun. Oh, um, uh, so I have Camille. She's a senior designer. And then I have James, which right. you know what he does. 
and then there was me, and then there's um, Julia. And then we, we had Jake, and then we had um, Alex. And then were we were the designers. Yeah, um, they were junior designers. Okay. And with the junior designers, are, are they taking on projects and then you're overseeing those things or are they working under somebody else? So they're basically kind of, they're more kind of like a, uh, a graduated design assistant where they don't really have their own projects. Everything, everything filters through me. Um, I'm trying to get to the point where someone is actually a designer and is taking on their own projects. Just, Got it. Yeah, I'm just a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many projects do you think you have at a time? Right now we had 20. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot. Yeah. Before people. Yeah, that's crazy. How about you, Kelly? Uh, There's six of us. And so uh, we have a studio director um, that all of our accounting and purchasing and works with our accounts. Uh, And then we have um, two interior designers and they also do project coordination and then a senior designer and then um, a brand director. And she, um, Juliana, she does our, um, she leads our Studio H collection. So that's why I named it Studio H Design Group because uh, I want it to be design group and not. That's Kelly Hinchman. Got it. So Nicole, um, our senior designer, she, she runs her own projects. I kick them off with the client. Typically, I am still the one that's like bringing in the business. Got it. Of it. But, um, and then we like slowly fade me out. And then she, she runs with, um, with her own projects. My other colleagues, they, they start to do that too with, with some of the projects on when you get towards the end. Cause there's no way that I could be everywhere and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So are there certain projects that you that you personally take it from the beginning all the way to the end? Do you have special yeah. ones to do that yeah. with? Yeah, like the big ground up projects, um, the multifamily projects. Uh, those are the ones that I do. And then sometimes when clients are a little bit more like higher maintenance, but they're paying the okay. higher ma- maintenance price for right. that, then it's then I I'm on time you, but I'm not doing like the project management of it all got it and do you give them or like how do you present that to them do you do you tell them that you can have me at this price or you can have this designer or do you not even tell them that and you just kind of take it on your own and and you give them that structure so it's a it's a mix um so we we build by the hour and then we have a mix of rates and so yeah, in the beginning, they'll say if they want, like, just, like, they asked, like, who's going to work with us? And I tell them, like, you know, Nicole's going to be you're the lead designer on this. Like, I'm going to definitely be involved in it. Um, and then she'll be, she'll be the lead. So I tell them right. who is. And we just have to figure that out for our schedule, too. Right. right. And then what about you, Michelle? There are currently three of us. <clears throat> I'm the, of course, the principal senior designer, Juliet. Um, is interior designer. She will, I think, eventually become a senior designer. Um, she's been my right hand person for going on four years. She interned for me, and then she left to finish her fifth year at Cal Poly. She's actually a, a 
um, architectural graduate. I let her know that well, you'll have a position waiting for you when she comes back, and she did. So she's been employed by me for four years. And then we have another person who's part-time, who's more technical support with um, drawings, um, presentation production. We're looking to hire a fourth person. I'm speaking with someone today. Hopefully, God, it works out because we are getting our butts kicked right now for projects. We have about 18 to 20 projects currently. Um, mix of sizes, but you know, a handful of them are ground up. So are taking a lot of time. Uh, I am involved in all projects as far as I am aware of what's going on, the staffs in each project, similar to what Kelly said. Um, I will kick off the project with a client. We always do a kickoff meeting, whether it's with us, um, the design team, the client, the construction team, whatever consultants may be involved, and we'll communicate with Danny, who's glad to be um, involved in the project, but being that we are a smaller staff, it only makes sense. I'm seeing everything that's going on. Now, would Juliet have a project by herself from beginning to end? No, um, but she will do a lot of the lay work under my guidance. Um, the fourth person that we're hoping to hire would be a junior designer. So they would be the ones doing the running, right? Pulling materials and such, um, helping with drawing and design production, et cetera. Um, we build differently. We don't build by an hour. We build a fixed or flat fee. Okay. Well, it depends. You know, there's a mix. Um, so depending on the scope of work, um, I try not to vary too much and build too many different ways. That gets confusing. So most of the time we build a fixed fee. Um, there are some hourly components under different phases. For instance, we might build a fixed fee for design development. Uh, but then when it comes to contract administration, which sometimes is too hard to... Uh, predict how much that would cost because it's the line of the contractor and the neediness of the client. And then sometimes even when we get into FF&E purchasing, we'll oftentimes do that by the hour um, as well with some markups and stuff there. But um, all that said, we do have our rates for um, employee and our contracts up front. You know, they're going to pay different rates for someone who's doing architecture versus the principal, such as myself. Um, but oftentimes with some of these hiring clients, they like to see the whole team. At the very least, they like to see the principal in the beginning and know that we're not just signing the contract and yeah. you know, never seen again. And back to your point, uh, it was interesting when I was working for another firm, again, when I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's very easy to critique, criticize when you don't see it in the fine scenes. It became clear the, the longer I got into having my own business that really the one of the main goals or one of the main tasks of the principal is to pull in the design work, right? So if you don't, if you're working for a firm and you don't see the principal, you know, pulling fabrics at 10 o'clock at night, it's because that person's role is really, it's a pipeline business. They're the ones that are meeting with clients and sending out proposals and getting, you know, uh, aligning projects down the road and then relying on the support staff to execute the design underneath the principal's eye. So. That was a bit of an eye opener for me, the further into my own business that I got. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about, um, you know, that that role that you guys play as CEOs and being the visionary and like what, you know, if you can kind of, when you spoke a little bit about that, Michelle, maybe go in a little bit of detail with you, um, Kelly or Esteban, about what does that look like for you and, and how 
has that evolved and changed and and you know because i think that's so important especially since you're the the forefront you're the face you're the one that's kind of bringing all this together and you see like where you're going in five ten years what's happening down the road that maybe the rest of the team might not kind of get and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you probably tell them and it's really important that everyone has that vision but can you share that role with with us and how that kind of develops role of getting clients oh. <laughs> you know, like just being that visionary of, of being the one that's out there like at the forefront and seeing where you know everything's going I don't know I feel like there's there's something there that's um you know it's just that that piece where maybe you're the support like what Michelle was saying was like an eye-opening thing that not realizing like how much you actually are putting out there and you don't see all that stuff going on and it's it's such an important role in the space yeah I think um for me I've I've always been a big risk taker um and I don't have a family and those sorts of things to support so I've always put a lot of um like finances back into the business to build it into a like we're a small firm but we have big corporate values as like a good like pay structure and um like benefit plans and things yeah. like that um and I feel that I work for the com- company I mean I definitely like have the vision of where I want it to be and that's where I hit these goals like as a little girl, I always wanted to do what I'm doing now. And then I always wanted to have my own furniture line. So then I just I'm like, okay, now I have like this business is going, I have a great team. Like we're all getting like fed and it's great. So like now let's just add on this other component. And then just like, I keep, keep just pushing myself. So I definitely have like a vision of where we're going and we're headed there. I think the company's structure is set up like, so um, like in such an organized way that it was like a thoughtful approach to now I just kind of work for the company yeah. too. Yeah. And I have a really strong, incredible team. So we all have our own goals and it just filters through and um, it's just gotten to that like good goal point, but it only took a while to get there. Yeah. yeah. Same. What, what colors? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Stephanie, I know I see you have your hand up. Uh, do you want to just unmute yourself and, and ask your question? Yeah, sure. Quick, just a quick question um, about like sort of filling that pipeline, but also like looking over um, the projects that are, you know, going out and like continuing that cycle. Like, do you find that um, it's difficult to sort of like let up and like let your staff and trust your staff to to take things forward while you're bringing in things through the pipeline or like how does how do you manage that like how does that how does that work for you for all of you initially for me it was really difficult because I felt the need to be involved in every single thing so letting that go and hoping that it flourished was very difficult for me um, I'm getting a lot better at it. <laughs> um, and I have a really great staff, so everyone does what they're supposed to be Yeah, everyone does what they're supposed to be doing. So I feel a lot of um, relief from that, but it's definitely always a challenge, um, especially when you have a difficult client that 
might require a little more attention and you may not want to talk to anyone else but you. So that becomes challenging for sure. Yeah, I think it comes down to like hiring well. Um, and we do take a lot of time to hire. I think I'm good about releasing that, releasing job roles, because if it's something that maybe you wouldn't have selected, but it's not horrible, then don't change it. Like just let them run with it. Um, and just, you have to give up some of that. You have to give up some of that control, you'll go crazy. And there's no way I want to be copied on every single email that would make me absolutely nuts. But I do have friends that need to be copied on every single email that their team sends out, every single order. <laughs> I hear do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, there's no, like there's, no. there's no way. Well, I don't read every single. I might like just kind of take a quick look and mm-hmm. be like, okay. It's me. So you do require they talk to you on every, yes. Yes. And it establishes a record for like if for some reason they, they're out sick or yeah. they're decide that, you know, uh, they're going to go on vacation or something, then I don't have to like, figure out what's being, what's working for it. I could just quickly go into my outlook and type some keywords and we'll, we'll see all the Yeah, well, I think it's been a game changer um, that we implemented this year, I think it was end of last year, is we do work in progress um, updates for clients, so whips, right? and um, and then we say what what is outstanding on the client's end for decisions and maybe having some attachments of presentations or proposals that they need to do. And then what's on our task, what's on our board and um, and then like any sort of notes to come. So uh, the team provides that. And if it's coming down to furniture ordering or furniture installation time, then we'll, in that whip, we send out what's gonna be delayed and that sort of thing. Um, so I think that that's been a game changer of just being able, like, I can see that I'm always on. I could just like review that, and I'll know like where the pulse is on the project. We do the same thing, but we use Clubroom. Okay, but it's, it's it's essentially it's, yeah. We can just use it. email every weekend, and the actual doc your whip is is being updated live. Whatever software is. And do you guys have a, do you guys like come together as a, as a, um, company like once a week or do you have a scheduled in person? Yeah, we have, we have Monday meetings. We're kind of phasing out of all of the, a little bit phasing out of the Monday meetings, um, because like major meetings, we just do like big picture because everyone's not working on everything. So then it just takes up so much time to go through and then, yeah, so. Who's involved in it does? Yeah. So okay. we're just kind of phasing that out and then doing life one on life or VS. Got it. Cool. Does anyone um, have questions for our designers? I would I would just love to see or like hear more detail about the WIP uh, document. Yeah. So it's, um, it's just a bullet pointed list of what, so if we have a presentation that we still need feedback on, we say, um, you know, like open, open client, um, like open to the client and then open for design team. And then sometimes there, then it's the like furniture processing, potentially depending on where you're at in the project. And then sometimes it's what we need for the contractor. So we're making them like aware of that, that we're communicating with. Um, but it's just like the pulse of the project. And I think that that's really, it, it actually helps to limit the client emailing as much too. 
um, because it's all in that. And then they'll respond to the whip instead of like he said, like, yeah. So the whip is is shared between both like well the contractor and the client and your internal team. Not the not the contractor, um, but we'll if if there's key things about like the construction process, we'll put it in there, but then that will go in a separate meeting note. But if it's something that we need their their eyes on, um, then we do put it in there. Thank you. All right. Did, and then do you guys also send out an email to the clients at the end of the week, kind of just, just saying like what got done and, and what's in progress or do you have anything um, set up for that? No, I don't do a standing end of week email, but again, it depends on where the progress or the project is actually, you know, there's like an accordion, sometimes all the tasks spread yeah. out and they come back together again. So depending on where we're at in the project, there might be a weekly email, right? And there's going to be times where there's a lull when you're ready for furniture to arrive and yeah, I don't Emails probably take up a big chunk of my time. Yeah. And I'm trying to control that because right. talking about the work is actually doing the work. Yeah. And um, so as far as standing emails go to clients at the end of each week, no. No, it's really driven by what's going on. It also depends on the client because right. we, we occasionally have clients that are very micromanaging where they have to be in the trenches with you. So in order to quell any kind of uh, trepidations that they might have, we'll set, we'll essentially over communicate to them and then they'll stop. Like they'll yeah. be like, oh, okay, it's all being handled. Yeah. Like I'm more of a need to. Yeah. Right. Not every client is fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. to need to know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Jamie had the question. Sorry if I um, missed it, but <clears throat> I wanted to know more about the Studio Age collection. I tried Googling it and it, I didn't get it. Uh, any good dirt. And sorry if I did miss it because I have to multitask. Oh, here. no. Uh, yeah. The, um, well, it's launching the end of this fun. Really? Uh, okay. um, and we are designing and manufacturing um, furnishings and home decor products. So right now we have um, a stone line of home accessories yeah and there's um made to order furniture re-specify there's um seven different stones and um and then we also have the prototyping that we're doing for piece goods and holster goods where are the where, where are the goods made from or where where are they coming from and that kind of thing we have um the stone products are made in mexico and then um, we also have a, a pillow and throw line, and that's made in Belgium. Very cool. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. And then on our website, we're all going to have, um, we also have collected by Studio H. So then it's also uh, some other products that we're controlling on the site. Got it. It's amazing. Look around. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. You can add your, um, on our on our website, you can add your name to the newsletter list, and then we'll set out the launch. It's going to be more of a, a test launch just to our like friends of the studio and clients at first um we're just testing it out and then we have some like reshooting to do too just that's been it's been a big learning experience i'll be i'll be a tester you realize what you don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh
That's amazing. And so will it be available to the public, to designers or? Yeah, so it's to the public and then we offer a design trade program also. It's amazing. Yeah, and then as we grow, we're gonna um, buffer wholesale also. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. And then will this, will the products be in your studio or be able to? Yeah, we have, we have some products here. We sold through a ton to our clients and projects. Um, and then we have a huge shipment coming very soon. I think it's like what's missing in the market too, because we're always looking for like bathroom accessories, yeah, yeah. Like little containers and trays yes. and like bigger trays and, um, vessels. Yeah. So we have really like, I think unique containers for that. We have a beautiful trash can that's also a planter and our clients are loving it. We're putting it in all of their projects. Um, and like you're not offended if you don't like wanting to, but, um, but they're also multifunctional. So the canisters that could be for Q-tips or makeup brushes, brushes, they could also be a base, you know, we have like, board, damned in the pedestals, um, and this is the tray. But yeah. Like, yeah. Next to you, but, um, yeah, that made her, it was 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 her, it I love it. So um, we're coming to the end of the hour. Esteban and Michelle, do you guys have things that um, are coming up? We worked on a brewery in East Village that's just opening mm -hmm. up. It needs some finishing touches, but that looks exciting for us. What's that uh, called? East Village Brewing Company. Oh, yeah, nice. We're at um, across from Petco Park. The gentleman used to work for Ballast Point and have been planning the past several years to do their own um, space. And so it was a learning lesson for us, you know, as a more modest budget, they're self-financing us. They didn't have a group of investors. So that was really you know, challenging to create a space that doesn't look like every other brewery in town. Yeah. yeah. They approached us with their finches boards, which of course were Edison Bowles, reclaimed work, <laughs> check, 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 right, brewery stuff. Um, but they, they trusted us and were able to do something a little bit different. Um, yeah, all in all, we just have some really fantastic clients. Projects are coming up and excited to get those out there and photographed. So is the brewery open right now? It is. It is. Cool. And I have a, uh, a nice, I would say more than two people's uh work that we're working on that we're uh, a few that are going to be publishable soon, hopefully. Hey, my pets out of their way. Um, <laughs> and just a lot, a lot of ongoing clients that need things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, does anyone else have any questions before we we let our panel go? I have a question, and I hope it doesn't take the whole four minutes that we have left. But um, so I'm really focused on regenerative and like sustainable design. And so I was wondering, um, is that something you guys like value in your business? Is that something that you try to fold in, bake in to the cake? Uh, it's not something that comes up a lot with our residential clients. Um, 
that said, I'm not one to be wasteful. And it can be done in, you can implement some of those philosophies in subtle ways. It could be repurposing a piece of furniture that they have. I'm all about sourcing vintage and antiques. I love it. Uh, I think it creates a nice mix um, aesthetically. I, I, I wouldn't pretend to say I'm doing it to be sustainable necessarily, but that is a way that you can encourage a client to stay away from the catalogs of add to cart items, right? They're, they're hiring us, I would assume, to trade a custom mix. And by not using readily available or ubiquitous retail items and focusing on antiques, vintage consignment mm -hmm. um, is a way to do that. With that commercial job I mentioned earlier, that's very much a part of their brand and philosophy to where there was no paper products they wanted to use in the brewery. So it's from their ordering system to <clears throat> the design to the materials they sourced to make the beer. That was a very uh, important factor. So it was challenging if we did repurpose furniture and uh, had to be clever with our sourcing. But for me personally, that's not been a huge request same, same um, across the board. Same here. But that could be your niche. Right? But the, the way that do this out, the way that we sneak it in, um, and I say sneak because you know clients require a lot of education when we're trying to do something different or something that is going to save the planet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what happens to is we. Um, the way that we sneak it in is uh, we use like we kind of explorers or products that are more for the you know foundation of the design, um, and then they, then they see that as more approachable. We're and, sourcing locally, and so yeah. sourcing local is something that's made here. And the way that the way that we sell it is that we say that um, because it's here, we could check on it. We're not paying any to go study at freight, and it's coming across. The ocean, you know, six and, months later, you'll get it. And right. Yeah. Gas and sources. Yeah. We've really promoted using custom. I think sometimes clients, especially um, clients that are new to using a designer, may not, they hear custom and they automatically see dollar signs where yeah. there's several reasons to use custom. Obviously, it makes more unique looking uh, project, but we can control for the most part, control the process, hopefully. And because it is local, we help minimize resources that are used to manufacture that um, product, whatever it may be, and place in the home. And with lead times being all over the place, using custom, for the most part, has been a lifesaver because, you know, when you're using big box stores, et cetera, you have no control and they're using freight. And, and there's uh, all these supply chains. Right. So we try to help try to circumvent that and help the planet at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Everything's electric. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing your expertise and your experience and all the other things that, um, that you have for us, it was, it was huge value. And I know that um, others will, will get so much out of this conversation. So for having us, yeah, thank, thank you. you.